Hey friends, thanks for joining us on the Equipping You podcast. Our prayer is that this podcast will encourage and equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. For more information about the Christ-centered Acts 1-8 Alliance family, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You Podcast. This is Season 10, Episode Three. Trace. Yes. And uh, we're coming to you today from uh, Columbus, Ohio area, home of Ohio State University, where the homecoming crown once went to a cow. It's true, Alan. Somehow that's not surprising. Yeah. Voting scandal caused uh, them to give the crown to Maudine Ormsby, a cow that had been nominated by the agriculture department. Wow. Where else would hats you Hats off to them to that. Where else would you learn such important information? Uh, nowhere. I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance, and I'm Alan, Director of Development in the Eastern PA Alliance District. And Alan, today we're having a conversation about conversations. A conversations about conversations. That sounds like mind-blowing. It does. So, tell us about our guest and her book. Well, Heather Holloman is a return guest of the podcast. She is. Yep, so that's pretty exciting. Her and her husband, Ashley, were back on a while ago talking about their book on evangelism, but she's back to have a conversation with us about conversations. Yes. And I would say uh, that it's one of the it's one of the best books I've read in the last year. It's just so practical, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Heather. And I agree with that. It's a great book, and uh, really encourage our readers to get it. And, and this interview should whet your appetite. It should. So grab yourself a Warhead Sour Blue Raspberry Soda. Wow. That sounds explosive. It does. Kind of makes your lips twitch a little bit. Just yeah. think about it. Yeah. Sit back. Relax. Here we go. And we're pleased to welcome Heather Holloman back to Equipping You Podcast. Thanks for being a return guest, Heather. Oh, I'm so excited for our conversation. Thanks for having me. So we had you on the podcast in early 2022 with your husband, Ash, to uh, discuss the book you guys co-wrote called Scent, Living a Life That Invites Others to Jesus. Our listeners should run out and buy that if they haven't already. Yes, they should. And uh, so what you been up to since then? Well, since Ash and I wrote the book Scent, a couple of cool things happened. The first was we realized that a lot of people are excited to talk about Jesus and share their faith, but they really needed more training in just how to have conversations in general. So mm-hmm. I wrote the book called The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of, Insul- of um, Isolation and Incivility. But the other project I was really excited about is I wrote a middle grade novel called This Seat's Saved, and it's helping young people understand they're already seated at the best table with Jesus when they feel that rejection from the middle school lunchroom. Love it. I felt that rejection in middle school lunchroom. I'm sure you were cool, Terry, but I felt that rejection. Uh, I don't think I was cool, Alan. Okay, all right. And I moved in middle school, so I showed up someplace where I knew no one. That's a rough time to move. It is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I, need to, I need to mail you the book immediately to heal your wound. <laughs> yes, please. Please do. Yeah. I have many other wounds, but we won't talk about those on the podcast. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, that's great. So we really are excited to talk to you today about uh, the Six Conversations book. So in your mind, you know, what made it important for you to write this book? 
Well, there were several reasons, probably three main reasons. The first was, again, a lot of the people that we were training in evangelism would say, wait, can you go back a step? I don't I don't even know how to begin talking to my neighbors, much less share anything about Jesus. So we really needed a way to help people go back to the art of conversation, because when you have a warm and loving connection with someone, talking about Jesus is never going to feel like a sales pitch or an awkward pivot in the conversation. The second motivator I had was the epidemic of loneliness. As a college professor, I was just reading report after report about the mental health issues and the physical health issues stemming from loneliness, that people don't have a warm connection, and it's really deeply affecting their their health, their physical, you yeah. know, and yeah. mental health. And so I just began to research, you know, okay, what can we do about it? And how to how do you have a warm connection with someone? So the third reason was honestly the Harvard Grant study. It's the longest research study ever conducted. It's in its 85th year. Hmm. And it's trying to answer the question, what's the single most determining factor of a happy life? And the answer is warm connections. Wow. And I read that research to my students and they would say, well, how do we get those? How do wow. we get those warm connections? So evangelism, my students, and just the physical impact of loneliness, which also comes out in the report from the Surgeon General, which just came out last month. Okay. Wow. That is great stuff. So Heather, what'd you discover in preparing to write this book? Well, as I surveyed all the social science research, um, what really excited me wasn't necessarily the practical tips that we'll get into in the interview, but just that in order to have a warm and loving connection, you really need four mindsets. And I'll tell you what they are, but honestly, what most excited me was that everything I'm going to say comes straight out of the Bible. So the authority of God's word mm -hmm. and the power of God's word, it already told us what social science is now mm. catching up to. Great. Okay. So in order to have that warm and loving connection with someone, you really need to be curious believe the best, express concern, and share your life. And that comes straight out of Philippians 2, mm -hmm. Romans 12, Galatians 6, and 1 Thessalonians. Love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Good stuff. We look forward to you unpacking those for us a little bit yeah. here. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's a, a hard stretch for people to resonate with the idea that our world has become more isolated and, un and uncivil. Um, but how do you how do you think a book about having conversations is going to be helpful in addressing those problems? Well, what happens when you have these mindsets, it helps you understand how to approach people. Like you're getting out of the realm of argument and suspicion, and you're really moving into biblical ways of connecting with people. And what's hard is a lot of people, really it's an issue of Christian maturity. When I read the research on the four mindsets, I thought, okay, I need to grow in these areas. So for example, people are not very curious. They're completely self-obsessed. And if you think about Philippians 2, where Paul says, take on the interests of other people mm -hmm. or carrying each other's burdens in Galatians 6, how do you do that if you don't ask people loving and generous mm -hmm. questions about their life? Mm -hmm. And it's called a closeness enhancing behavior Ooh. to ask a curious question. Fancy. Also, most people don't believe the best. My students, if I say, when you meet someone are you believing the best about some about them? And they say, no, I'm wondering, what do they believe about vaccines? Did they mask? Who? What did they think about Roe v. Wade? Who did they vote for in the 2020? I mean, we're suspicious. Mm -hmm. We're yep. not, we're judging people instead of living out Romans 12, which is actually a deeply convicting passage 
about blessing those who persecute you and actually loving people who you would consider your enemies. Mm. Wow. So you write about these four mindsets uh, that help us have loving conversations. How about unpacking those for us a bit, Heather? Well, what is shocking to me is how people are not curious. My students will say, yeah, I went on a date and the guy did not ask me one question about my life. Hmm. Or I'll talk to people at church who like go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas and say they haven't seen their family for a year. And they'll say my family did not ask me one thing. Yep. I mean, I don't know. Have you guys experienced that? Like you're yeah. out with a couple. They Absolutely. don't ask you one thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Once my, once my husband and I spent eight hours with this very godly couple, we were so excited because we thought this is just going to be the best day. You guys, they did not ask us one question about yeah. our life. Yeah. It, mm. it, we left feeling so lonely, so disconnected. So what I love about mm. curiosity, so the research term is interpersonal curiosity. Ooh. When you are curious about other people, you're not only living out Paul's command in Philippians 2 and Galatians to carry each other's burdens because you're asking questions, but it is so good for your mental health. And the research shows that when you're curious, your marriages are stronger, your relationships with your children will be stronger. There's really no reason not to ask good questions. And so by the end of this interview, of course, I'm going to give your listeners six ways to be curious about other people. So you'll never get lost starting or continuing a loving yeah. conversation. Yeah. Now, believing the best is a disposition of the heart. And actually, I get mm. a lot of pushback on this. I would love your perspective on this. People are saying, no, it's our job in the culture, you know, to win arguments and to expose evil and to hate people who aren't, you know, voting the way we are or whatever. But as I thought deeply about that, our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's mm. with the enemy. And so mm -hmm. I like to look at my neighbors and say, you know, people are not the enemy. Satan is actually right. the enemy here. Right. Yeah. So when I'm approaching someone who like voted differently or believes something different socially or, you know, on, on all sorts of social issues, when you believe the best, what you're doing is you're believing that the person in front of you is a child made in the image of God who has infinite value. There's no one else like this person. They have a one of a kind viewpoint on the universe. They can teach you something. And when you ask someone, let's say, for example, you believe they're your enemy because they believe something different from you. What if you said instead, I can tell you care so passionately about this issue. I would love for you to tell me the story of when you first started caring about this. That is a loving connection, much mm. different from I'm going to condemn you and we're never going to be friends. So I've learned to do that on my in my neighborhood with people who are profoundly different from Ashley and me. And then expressing concern, I'm not talking about taking on everyone's problems. I want people to know three things about your neighbors, your daughter, your husband, you know, your pastor. Here's what you need to know about people. What are their major stressors? What's their next biggest decision they're trying to make? What thought is keeping them up at night? Mm -hmm. If you ask people those questions, what you can do is write down, or if you have a good memory, just remember those things and ask about them. Just say, hey, how is that going for you? And and decision-making is very stressful, especially for people who've had a lot of adversity or trauma backgrounds. If you say, hey, are you trying to make a hard decision? Can I help you think through that? It is the most loving way to support people. Yeah. And then sharing your life. A lot of people don't do that. They're really good at believing the best, being curious, expressing concern. But if you don't share your life, it's not a conversation. It's an interview. Yeah, good that's, point. that's a really good point there, because yeah. curiosity, if it doesn't have that 
other other elements, it can look like just an interview. You're trying to get information, whatever the case like that. So curiosity driven by believing the best and mutual concern and all that is powerful stuff, no doubt. I, you know, I think yeah. about the conversations that I've had about politics, which is, of course, where a lot of <laughs> incivility can creep in. You know, oftentimes people think because somebody has a different view than I do that they hate our country or something like that. Like, and it, that never helps a conversation, right? We have to assume that even if we completely disagree about what they want for our country, that they're not trying to destroy our country. They, for some reason, they think that is the best thing for our country. And it's, it's safe for us to assume that in, in almost all situations, even if we completely disagree with them. That's a great point. I bet you if you drill down deeper, you probably actually share core values with that person yeah, yeah. that you're arguing with. That's a great point. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I appreciate that. You should now, write a book on that, Alan. No, Heather already yeah. did a good job. I'm just going to let her go with it. So okay. I'm, I've recommended, I'm, I'm telling, I've, t I, I've probably recommended this book to more than anybody, to any other book in the last three years. It's great. I love it. Well, and it's, that means a lot to me. It, it's changed my life, the research, you know, and yeah. reading the scriptures through this lens has really changed how I interact with people. Yeah. It's so practical and it's not that long. So it's not like I have to recommend, you know, I can read a great book that's, you know, 300 pages. And I'm like, how do I recommend that to somebody? Most people aren't going to read that, you know, but your book is so practical, so insightful, and yet not that long so that it feels like it's a burden to get through it. Excellent book. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you. And it's not academic. I don't know how many of you have read like great books, but they're just over your head. Yeah. That happens to me sometimes. I'm like, this is too academic. No, yeah. you're not going to read all the social science research. Right. I did that for you. You can, right. read it in the, <laughs> you can read it in the footnotes, but it's going to read, you know, kind of at an eighth grade level. Your kids can read it. In fact, a lot of young people are reading it. Yeah. And a lot of schools, public schools are reading this book. Yeah. Penn State, I've done seminars for them and corporate settings it's really practical it can be used even though it's deeply christian a lot of organizations are using it because it's wisdom literature and really helping intervene in this loneliness epidemic yeah i yeah. keep thinking about and i'm gonna do it you can ask me about it sometime boy i just put it out i just put myself on the spot i want to have like a neighborhood book study in my neighborhood offering people to talk about this book because oh you should you yeah. should because it'll help their marriages it will help connect especially if they've got teenagers or young people a lot of people will say grandparents in particular will say heather okay i'm going out to lunch with my grandkids like what what how, where should i start what questions should i ask i never know how to talk to them so this is mm -hmm. a great book if people feel like they just don't have good family conversations yeah yeah and, and on that i mean sometimes it takes intentionality right and i, I think most people oh, yes. feel like conversations if they're intentional aren't really good conversations, but I don't think that's true. Uh, that and you talk about having the three goals for our conversations. So talk about those and kind of unpack those for us. Oh my goodness. This was so such a joyful discovery for me that when you're trying to make your warm and loving connection, <laughs> what you a lot of people don't know where conversations should end. Like what's the point of my connecting with you? Okay, well listen to this. You'll love this. What if every conversation you had, every interaction the goal, the three fresh goals was to do one of three things. You want to encourage that person. You want to help that person with whatever personal goals or projects they share with you or lead them to a state of marveling or awe. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not even from the Bible. This is even though we see all those verses, you know, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, you know, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for mm -hmm. encouraging each other. Mm -hmm. But the research shows that when you do that, it's called supportive interaction. 
And the research on leading to marveling is so wonderful that if you're with someone and you talk about divine activity, like if you say, oh, I don't think that was a coincidence. That really feels like God was showing his love to you or say you're in front of the Grand Canyon together or looking at the night sky and you begin marveling about our creator, God. The research shows that when you do that with someone, you're less lonely. You're also less depressed and anxious because the brain was actually wired to enjoy marveling and really mm. worship. It shows you how God made us to worship him. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Excellent. Love it. So, Heather, what pitfalls do we often encounter as we seek to have these connecting conversations? You know, I change my answer a lot on this as I've been observing people. I used to think that um, it was like complaining and gossiping, but I don't know what you guys think. I think arrogance and advice giving mm-hmm. is so difficult. Like when you're with someone and they're, it's it's sort of like when someone's acting superior and that pride they have that they're always right and they're going to give you advice about everything, most people do not want advice. And how I discovered this is when people ask or they're sharing something in conversation and I say, I have a thought for you. I have advice. Would you want my advice or would you rather me keep asking you good questions? Mm -hmm. Okay, nobody wants my advice. (laughs) They want me to keep talking and asking them good questions. So it's a way of honoring other people. So. That's what I would say right now. But of course, there are things you want to avoid just as you grow in maturity as a believer. You know, gossip and complaining, having that divisive spirit. I was amazed when I looked at Galatians 5, the fruit of the flesh. I mean, I'm bad with math, but I think over 65% of evidence of the flesh is divisive things. You know, factions, Mm -hmm. dissensions, envy. So you want to avoid those things. But I would say, don't give advice and don't be arrogant. And the way you prevent that is have what I call just a teachable spirit. Believe that that person can teach you something and that they have a one-of-a-kind viewpoint on the universe. And they can also reveal something to you, to you about God that only they can reveal because of how God made them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you made me think of two uh, lunch conversations I had in the last few years where uh, we kind of started out with the other person touting the greatness of their resume. And... Uh, when I'm on that, the other end of that conversation, whoop, I shut down. Uh, I do too. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it's it's, just it's like I'm done, I'm done with this. <laughs> so I want to guard against that in my own life that I'm not gonna that I'm not gonna be the one sitting and touting my resume and mm-hmm. all the good things yeah. I've done and how smart I am. Yeah, that's Alan good. Yeah, it's tempting though. That. Yeah, I, that's right. That's my goal to help with that, Terry. <laughs> Absolutely, that's my goal to help with that. Yeah. So this might be shocking to Terry, um, but I learned from Surely your. Not. I learned from your book that my face matters. Oh God! Wow. Well. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I've read a lot about. I mean, almost everybody talks about eye contact, right? I mean, you you learn about that in coaching. You learn about that in conversations. Really, eye contact's a big deal. But you don't hear much about the whole face. So why does our face matter in our conversations? And maybe some other conversation tips uh, that we could remember and practice. One thing I learned was my face, when I show interest in someone, I tend to scrunch up my eyebrows, like Mm -hmm. furrow my eyebrows and lean in. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a very aggressive and angry look. So what you want is to practice raising your eyebrows, lifting your chin, leaning back. It shows warmth, openness, and interest. Um, 
but I really had to change my face yeah. because I like when I'm thinking, I tend to scrunch up my eyes and it, and I'm just thinking. And a lot of times people say, Heather, why are you so mad right now? And I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm just interested yes. in what you're saying. So just uh, raise your eyebrows, lift your chin up a little bit. It shows interest and warmth. And then you don't have to lean forward. You can. But sometimes if you lean back, it shows just this like, okay, come come into my presence. I'm open. Mm. That's so good. also you you want to do that and and eye contact's important but it's okay not to have constant eye eye contact it can it can sometimes feel overwhelming for certain types of people hmm. but the one thing that is important is that you're not looking at your phone while you're talking to them so oh, put the phone away boy. make a point of putting the phone on do not disturb don't even have the phone present on the table there's a research study that says that even the presence of a cell phone hinders like that warm connection because it's so distracting just to have it there. So give someone your full attention, show them with raised eyebrows, tilted up chin. You could even practice um, talking in the mirror to see how you come off to people. And um, yeah, smile. You guys can, we can do this. We can do this. So when I I read your line in there about scrunching your eyes, I thought, Oh my word, I'm an eye scruncher. Yeah. Are you an eye scruncher? Oh, 100%. Okay. And I lean yeah, in. I'm a scruncher. And I scrunch my eyes. Like and, and I think that that's telling people that I'm thinking about what they're saying. But in reality, it looks like I'm analyzing what they're saying and possibly ready to disagree with it. And I that's never thought right. of that until I read that in your book. And honestly, Ooh. now I'm sitting back in conversations. I'm mm-hmm. putting my eyebrows up. And I'm noticing mm-hmm. that there's a lot of other eye scrunchers in the world. Uh, a lot of eye scrunchers. And I'm noticing how it makes me feel. It doesn't really – I don't always interpret it negatively, but I – as I've observed that I realize it's not helping the conversation. Even even if it's mid-range, it's still not helping advance the conversation. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, do you ever notice when – this is making – this is challenging me. Like when you're with someone where you do feel that warm connection and you're really enjoying them, yeah. look at what their face is doing and that will tell you the truth of the research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Like you're noticing face scrunching, and I never thought of that before. That it, it's analytical. Yeah. It's like you're in the realm of judgment already. Yes. That is so mm-hmm. smart. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, it's really so. Thank you for that to rescue me from my eye scrunching. Much appreciated. The uh, the cell phone in the cell phone thing. You stopped preaching and went to meddling, Heather. And and uh, if we sing. Uh, I surrender all right now. I'm going to the altar. Okay, so. <laughs> sounds great. I noticed that our producer Isaac had his on his table right I, now, and he put it in his pocket while you were talking. I'm guilty. Do it. I mean, just I'm try it. Guilty. Plus, it it helps me. I'm distracted. And plus, it was funny when I was reading the research on that. I was talking to a student, and we were having a great connection. And, it, and his phone went off, and he literally like stuck his finger up in the air, like, "Wait one minute, Doctor H." And then he started, You know, he had to answer the call, and then he was like checking, t- you know, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, or whatever. I was so frustrated. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I feel so unimportant right now. Yeah. Like, and it was so, just remember how it feels when someone is constantly on the phone. And that yeah. happened recently with a friend that I had, um, I was spending the day with. She probably answered 40 texts while we were Good grief. in the car on the way to lunch, you know, as she's driving, first of all. So I was like, I do not feel safe right now, <laughs> emotionally or physically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I hear wow. you. It's easy to fall into the trap, though, so quickly. And you say you're going to check one thing. You know, you got a text. And maybe it was from somebody really important. Maybe you needed to hear something from your spouse and you get it. But then, oh, but there's a text from my friend. Oh, and there's a notification. Before you know it, you're doing a bunch of other things. Um, yep. I, I say a statement to myself frequently 
and I need to say it even more than I do, is my phone is my servant, not my master. Yeah. You have to remember It's becoming that. a problem. You it, don't need to be constantly available to people, mm, and you only need no. to check your phone once a day. Yeah. Go back to the 80s when we had, like, nobody knew where anyone was. Yeah. Right. We weren't available no. to people all day <laughs> no, long. No. So, yeah. And you yeah. can have a signal like with somebody like I have with my wife. If she needs to get a hold of me, she calls twice in a row. Exactly. We do the same uh, thing. Right. We and do it, the same thing. Right. And then I know, oh, this is the second call. I need to get that, you know. But Yeah, and... And with my girls, I am completely interruptible. And I tell yeah. my students that. I'm like, look, if my girls are going to call me, they're allowed to. There are going to be people in your life that are allowed to interrupt sure, you. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, you can always interrupt me. Yep, 100%. So. Yep. Fantastic. Well, I'm just glad to know that my face matters, Terry. Yeah, yeah. I can say some things about your face, Alan, but I'm going to be nice Thank today you. I appreciate that. Because I'm a Christian. Well, we always say that we have a face for radio. So. We do. And now we're on video. So so you give some good tips about spark questions and numbers questions in the book, Heather. Talk, talk to us about those things. Well, what's great is after you get the mindsets down and the three fresh goals, then you can do all these fun things with these six categories of conversations. Um, which are, you know, social, emotional, physical, um, cognitive, volitional, and spiritual, which we can talk about surely if there's time. But the mm -hmm. SPART questions are questions that in are inherently pleasurable for people. And this comes out of um, Vanessa Edwards. So I did not think of this. I, I definitely cite her in the book. But it's this idea of asking questions that that make people happy. Like, hey, what are you celebrating or, you know, tell me about your week. What's the best restaurant you've been to lately? Or have you seen any great movies? Or, when, you know, what's made you laugh recently? So those are fun. Questions that make people happy because you're talking about happy things. That would be in the emotional category of conversation. The numbers question, I love. This is great for introverts or people who, young people who don't want to, and they don't want to engage the brain. You know, they're tired. They don't want to be talking about all these things. So what you can do is ask a numbers question. So, for example, your teenager gets in the car, you can say, instead of how was your day, which is an existential question with the terrible <laughs> weak verb, you can say, hey, what kind of day were you having on a scale of one to ten? Now, how they answer is actually not important. It's your next question. So, say my daughter gets in the car, I say, what kind of day are you having on a scale of one to ten? And she says a four, meaning ten is the best, you know, zero is the worst. Then the next question is, what would have had to happen to make it a ten? You're going to learn more about your child, more about your spouse, more about anyone. You know, I ask my students, okay, scale of one to 10, I put it up on the board. You know, what kind of day are we having? They say, okay, turn to the person beside you. What, what's going to have to happen to make this day a 10? It's such a fun conversation. Also, if you're stuck, and I, I use this all the time in conversation, if I'm stuck, say I just met someone and I want to do like a um, social question because people like talking about their friends. And I found out they went to the wrestling game. I'll say, hey, how many people do you have season tickets for? It's a numbers question, easy to answer. Like, oh, I have four season tickets. Or how long have you been an accountant? So say you're with someone at a party. And by the way, this is Jerry Seinfeld's best tip. If you read the book, you'll see his his him, him footnoted here because yeah. he has to meet so many thousands of people a year in his as a comedian. He'll always go to the numbers question. He'll he'll say, "Hey, how long did it take you to get here?" Or and if or if you meet someone and they're like, "Yeah, I'm an accountant." How long have you been an accountant? Easy questions to answer. Do a numbers question. Good. That's great. I love it. So, how long have you been married to Ash? 
We're going on our 23rd year. I love it. I think for our anniversary, I want to get Adirondack chairs for the front yard. Not the backyard, the front yard by the sidewalk so I can talk to all the neighbors walking their dogs and the little kids learning to ride their bikes. A little Jonathan Weibel influence there, it sounds to me. Front yard. Yep, I have Adirondack chairs on our front porch for that exact reason. And we've had more conversations with our neighbors just by putting those in our front porch than all the years we lived in our house before that. It's been amazing. Yes, that's what I want to do. do. Later, will you tell me what brand you got so I know what to order? It is an Amazon Prime. We're talking. I got to put my I, order I can, in. <laughs> I got them off Amazon so I can uh, send that information to you quickly later at lunchtime. Uh, no, it is fun. And, you know, my wife actually teases me for asking. I didn't call them these before, but spark questions. We had our neighbors mm-hmm. over for pizza the other night. And I asked, what's the first song that you remember liking? Oh, I and love that question. I ask my students that all the time. <laughs> it was so funny. I mean, the conversations we then had about those songs, the the, the husband answered um, Uptown Girl by Billy Joel, and then that led us to playing a bunch of Billy Joel, song, Joel songs on Spotify. And then I said, The Gambler, and they're, and they're like, oh, that is a funny song. I remember that. You know, and this is like a five-minute conversation about music that was just fun. Um, yeah, so people yeah. love talking about music. Yeah. I my students laugh so hard because Thriller by Michael Jackson was my first album, yeah. <laughs> and I love Michael Jackson. <laughs> so yeah. they always wow. laugh. This was in 1985. I was 10 years old. Bought that album with my own money. You can learn a lot about people when you ask about sure. music. You sure can. Joy so. to the world. Yeah, all so. the boys and girls. Uh, that was yours. 69, I believe. Wow, look at that. Yeah. Three dog night. Three dog night. Yep. Wow. How about that? Okay. We are sparked there. So that's good. So let's bring it home. You referenced the uh, six conversations. We do have time for you to unpack those a little bit. So uh, rather than just list them, give us a little brief description it's of each so one. It's so easy. It's so easy. You're going to wonder why you didn't learn this in kindergarten. In fact, a lot of parents are teaching their kindergartners. When you meet someone, you, do no, you no longer have to ask about sports, the weather, or how are you. Mm. You have six categories based on the six dimensions of what it means to be human. Social. People love to talk about their friends. I won't say to someone, how are you? I'll say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Who have you been spending time with? Mm. Young people love to talk about their friends. Don't forget animal friends. I have had more amazing conversations with the third grader next door just by asking what animal friends she's been spending time with. <laughs> the next category is emotional. You you can ask people, how are you doing? But I recommend getting rid of that weak verb and just say, hey, what's challenged you about your week? You know, what surprised you about your summer so far? Don't forget the power of the physical category. This includes your body and physical spaces. So I often won't start a conversation with, hey, how are you? I'll say, oh, it's so good to see you. Um, How did you sleep last night? Let me tell you about how I've been sleeping. People love to talk about sleep. When I asked my students, how have you guys been sleeping? I learned more about like ASMR, melatonin, you know, lavender. They went on and on. People like to talk about their aches and pains. Like how, how is your knee doing? How's your arthritis? Don't forget that. And also physical spaces. I was having a really hard time connecting with a colleague. And all I said was, you know, are you doing any home improvements? How's your garden? You know, 45 minutes later, I had an invitation out to the garden. You want to ask people about physical things related yeah. to their body, physical spaces. That That's also the five senses. So that would include music. What have you been listening to? Mm. What, the spark questions, restaurants. Cognitive. This is my favorite category. I love asking people, what have you been thinking about? 
So mm. when I and, and it's because I'm an academic. So when I see people at Penn State, instead of saying, "How was your summer?" I'm gonna say, "It's good to see you. What have you been thinking about lately?" And I learn more about the cool things on people's minds. Now, that's a stressful question probably for younger people. Mm-hmm. Or my husband, for example, does not like that category. He'd rather me ask <laughs> about the projects he's working on around the house. And he loves systems, like work systems. But don't forget to ask people, hey, what have you been thinking about? Or what what did you think about this thing that happened? Like, I'd love to know your thoughts on whatever it is. The last two categories are so great and people forget about them. Volitional, that relates to human volition. That's our will. It's a fancy word for your ability to make decisions. Instead of asking someone like, oh, I saw you got that boat. Ask them, hey, tell me this story. Like, how'd you decide to buy that boat? Or how did you guys decide to go on vacation at the beach instead of the lake? Or, Mm. um, hey, do you have any upcoming decisions you're making? People love to talk about the volitional category. So even like with complimenting someone about their outfit, which women do all the time, I won't say like, oh, I love that jean jacket. I'll be like, well, I may offer a compliment, like I love that jean jacket, but I'll say, how did you decide to get that one instead of this other brand? You know, ask about decisions. Yeah, yeah. Finally, the spiritual category, which is my favorite besides cognitive, and that's just... People like to talk about spiritual things. We act like they don't. But if you're near a religious holiday and you say to someone, hey, do you have any religious traditions? Or tell me about your spiritual rituals. Have you started any spiritual practices? People love to talk about those things. I've been talking to people about Jesus for 30 years. I will say to them, does it bother you that I talk so much about Jesus? Nobody has ever said, yes, would you stop talking? They all say, no, I want to hear more. Keep talking about spiritual things, and because you have that warm and loving connection, because of the four mindsets and the three fresh goals, people are going to listen to you. Yeah. It won't feel awkward. Yeah, that's good. good. That is good stuff. So uh, certainly Jesus was amazing at conversation. And so, uh, Heather, where do we start if we want to love people through conversation like Jesus did? Well, I was thinking about that question this morning, and one thing— as I think about Jesus is he, he wants to bring people to spiritual truth. He wants to help them see clearly. So how do you do that? Asking people good questions, good loving questions is a way of helping them understand their lives, what they're going through. It helps them understand how to connect with you. And we're made in the image of God. We're relational. So when we're asking loving questions, and remember, Jesus asked questions in every category of what it means to be human. It's actually a very sacred space. We're, we're entering into something that God designed us for. So to become more like Jesus, you're going to ask questions. You're going to live out Philippians 2. You're going to humble yourself. You're going to bless those who persecute you. You're going to know that people are not the enemy, but Satan's the enemy. And you're going to realize God It's not an accident where he placed you, where you live, where you work, and you're going to live out Jesus, what Jesus is doing, which is seeking and saving the lost. Mm, Amen. Fantastic. Preach. I love it. Well, we really appreciate you coming back on, Heather. As a uh, repeat guest on Equipping You podcast, you are automatically inducted into the Equipping You podcast Hall of Fame. I love it. uh, Where's my trophy? Where's my plaque? Uh, It's a plaque, not a trophy. We'll we'll get that to you. Do you have any, uh, you know, 
words of acceptance that you would like to share with us before we say goodbye? Words of acceptance? Words oh, of oh, the Hall uh, of Fame. to accept my yeah, award. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, you know what I want to share is the one thing I forgot to say in this interview. Uh, okay, okay. Okay, the six categories of conversations are not just for starting conversation. The reason why it's so powerful, you'll never get stuck again because That's after right. you ask the first question, you have endless combinations of where to go next. Love it. Don't Love forget it. that. So if you ask someone, did you go to the basketball game? And they say yes. You have six pathways yeah. of how to be curious. Yeah. Who did you go with? How did your body feel watching that game on those hard bleachers? How did yep. you decide to get those tickets? Do you ever pray? Do you have spiritual rituals at the game? Guys, you're going to love it. It's a game changer. Question. Yeah. Good question. It is great. a game changer. And if I would, if you, people, listeners, you have to read this book. And if it's not one of the uh, top three books that you've read this year after you read it, I will personally apologize to you for recommending it. I thought you were going to pay for okay, the book. Okay, wow. I can't afford it. I'll wow. make that offer because, you know. Yeah. Okay, I love what you just said so much. I want to like, I want to print that out and put like, you're literally giving a money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like uh, that personal apology. If this is not the best thing you've ever read, that yeah. means a lot to me. That's yeah. a sweet thing to say. Well, it's yeah. true. I'm not exaggerating. So great to have you on, Heather. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day and enjoy the rest of July. Excellent episode. Oh my word, it was fantastic. So uh, I often think of the value of asking good questions yeah. and, and and Heather just yeah. expands that exponentially yeah, it's in like a new of, universe of, of uh, how you, what directions you can go yeah. with uh, questions but you know honestly what she said today occasionally you sit through a conversation with a person and they don't ask you one thing yeah. about yourself and that does not feel good it is so away. demotivating you're it like is. do I matter at all we just talked for an hour about you and you didn't ask a single thing about me yeah so asking questions is amazing uh, foundation for yep. having good conversations and having good conversations is foundational for building relationships and building relationships is foundational for yeah. talking to people about Jesus. Amen. So. Amen to that. You know, but I love how, you know, she gave us all kinds of help so we don't get stuck in conversations, right? Yeah. It's, it, it's sometimes you have a great start to a conversation and it's like, where do I go next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or it just goes flat. Yeah. And um, boy, this stuff is really good. I highly recommend it. Um, and want to encourage you to read it, uh, start practicing it. Uh, I've actually started thinking through some of those things intentionally, and I find that the more I do that, the more I do them naturally then. Yeah, it's good. So. so thanks for listening. We appreciate you and hope this was helpful to you. Next time on episode four, we'll have Jim Putman, and Alan's going to give you just a little snippet about Jim. I am. Jim uh, is part of the Relational Discipleship Network. Uh, pastor in Idaho, and they have been, he's written a great book. It's now actually 10 years old called Discipleship, and there, our listeners are going to enjoy a thorough conversation about making disciples, uh, because, you know, we all want to do that, but then we just get ambiguous and not sure how to accomplish it. Jim's going to help us with that. Good. So we hope you'll join us for that episode. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and sharing it with a friend. For more information about this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.